Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Best of Tea with Twiggy, where we put together some interviews that I've done in the past that I'm very fond of. And this week is the wonderful, lovely Phil Rosenthal, who's got a new series coming out. I think it's on Netflix and it's um, Somebody Feed Phil and it's absolutely brilliant. I love him to bits. And we've teamed him up with the gorgeous, lovely Alan Titchmarsh, who I actually saw last night at a do. Lovely, lovely man. So enjoy. I enjoyed doing it. So enjoy listening. Bye. I'm going to take you back in time. You grew up, you're from Queens, right? Yeah. Oh, real New Yorker. That's real right. New York boy. You know who else was born in Queens? Fran. That's right. And Ray. And Ray. Okay. And our president. Oh, dear. <laughs> so it's not all good news coming out of Queens. I didn't know he was born in Queens. Yep. Look how dead everything just went. I just killed the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's got spies listening in? <laughs> you never know. Well, if, if there's a transcript, at least he, we know we won't read it. <laughs> That's so funny. Did you move out when you were a little boy? Yes, I went to the Bronx when I was nine and then Rockland County, which is a little suburb. Uh, about a half an hour north of the city till I was 17. Then I went to Hofstra University on Long Island and studied theater. So did, was the plan to be an actor? Yeah, because uh, I loved comedy. I loved every, I just loved comedians and comedy and and everyone on television in the 60s. And, uh -huh. and uh, I watched so much TV to a fault. My parents would say, what are you going to do? Get a job watching television? <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah, the moment I got a job in Hollywood writing television, my first job, I sent my parents the biggest television that they make with a note on it that said, ha ha. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> but uh, that, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't know when you're a child, you don't know there's writing and directing and producing. No. You just see, you know, Jackie Gleason and Art Carney and you want to be them. You want to just be funny. Not, I didn't want to be a stand-up comedian. I'd say, did you ever do stand-up? I tried it once. It's horrifying. It, I it mean, terrifying. Terrifying. I actually think in our <clears throat> profession, that must be the most terrifying of all. You're the most naked because <laughs> if you're a singer, you at least have the song. If you're a comedian, you just have you, right? So it's, it's, it's rough. And I have the utmost respect for people like Ray Romano and... and and everyone who dares to get up on stage and do oh, it well. Unbelievable. So in school, in high school, or even elementary school, the only legitimate way for you to be funny and not be thrown out of school is to be in the school play. Mm -hmm. So that was me. Did you do that too? I was, I, I was incredibly shy. I mean, it's so weird what happened to me happened because I was really shy really i never i i never really did the school play I, I i sang a bit in the choir but i was terribly shy and i i wasn't outgoing and so what happened to me was so weird because i was as shocked as everyone else yeah. you know in the in the world that what happened to me happened i was obsessed with clothes and fashion like all teenage girls are yeah. And that's what I looked like. That makeup was my eye makeup that wow. I used to paint on How myself. How old were you when they grabbed you? 
They've 16 just. Amazing. But a very young... I mean, when I look at 16-year-olds today, they seem so sophisticated. More sophisticated than me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was was still kind of very shy and, uh, you know, and and hated what I looked like, like most teenage girls. I mean, I've never... But here's the world telling you, you are the look. (laughs) So I just love fashion and I love clothes. And I used to make all my clothes because I was a mod... Yes. You know, we had a thing in the 60s um, called Mods and Rockers. Of course. And I was a little mod. And uh, so the clothes were a big element and you couldn't really buy mod clothes. So I used to make them. And, really? Um, and were these featured on the on magazines and things, the, the things you made? Not not there. No, oh. no. Because that was just me. I was a schoolgirl. No, they were just clothes I wore at weekends. Nice. So, but that was my kind of look. And then, and then I had the haircut, and that's what kind of catapulted me into madness. <laughs> Do you think mine will catch on, this haircut? Oh, I My think wife so. did it with clippers two days ago, <laughs> and she went a little crazy. They, if you look, you, your listeners can't see this, but you can see a lot of me right under here. She yeah, went very she's short. Yeah, she's done very short. It'll grow. <laughs> I think she was mad at me. <laughs> Hello everyone, Twiggy here. You all know how much I love things that are chic yet practical. Today, I want to tell you about my latest find, Sarah Harron handbags, particularly the Jasmine crossbody handbag in pink mockrock. This handbag is really great. It's made from a delightful pink mockrock leather and you can tell that each piece is crafted with so much care. When you open it up, you're greeted by a soft pink interior with two handy pockets to keep your bits and bobs in place. It's also very versatile. You can wear it across your body or sling it over your shoulder. Sarah Harron has many different styles and colours of handbags to suit your personal taste. So, why not treat yourself to a Sarah Harron bag? My bag and more gorgeous ones are on their website, sarahharron.com. That's S-A-R-A-H. H-A-R-A-N.com. These bags are more than just accessories. They are your trusty sidekicks for every moment. Dive into the world of Sarah Harron handbags where style meets everyday life. And here's the cherry on top. Visit the Sarah Harron website now where you will receive an exclusive offer of 20% off your first bag. And not only that, you will also get three accessories absolutely free so you can start styling your bag right away. Just enter the code TWT, that's TWT, at the checkout to receive this incredible offer. Now, I've read a story, I've got to ask if it's true, that your reporting began in the late 70s where you reported a plague of green fly in Margate. Is this true? I did, absolutely true. It's brilliant. um, I'd, I'd, I'd left Kew Gardens. I started my life as an apprentice gardener and I, I then went to college for a year in Hertfordshire. Then I went to Kew Gardens as a student for three. Then I, I taught there for a couple of years and from there I went into journalism as a gardening books editor and then I became deputy editor of a gardening magazine. Uh, and we used to get calls from, you know, BBC saying, can you field somebody for this, that or the other? <laughs> uh, and I'd already started doing little bits for you and yours, the radio programme on Radio 4, sort of, you know, Good Friday, tell us what to do in the garden this Easter weekend and they started using me for odd little news if newsy things happened um, and the Today programme used me as well I was if asked on the Today programme because 
it must have been about June, I think, there was a, a, a warm wind blowing across Europe Ooh. and it really suited Greenfly and it brought millions of Greenfly across the channel. And there were, there were decorators painting shop fronts in Margate and suddenly, woof, all their paint was covered in Greenfly that had blown over. So I did a bit on today in the morning where they said, come in and tell us what to do about all these Greenfly. And it was in the days before I was organic and I've been organic for about 40 years. So I was probably recommending various noxious sprays to get rid of them. Um, anyway, somebody heard me from Nationwide. Do you remember Nationwide? Which yeah, I did. was that early evening uh, current affairs show. It's only famous for the skateboarding duck. It did a lot more than that, but that's what everybody <laughs> remembers. And they said, come and tell us um, how to control green flies. So that, that was my first that's taste of true. TV, and it was live in the evening. And I, oh, I God, went, yeah. they, they, at the end of it, they said, oh, you were wonderful. The marvels come back. And I went home full of the kind of, they said, they said, that was wonderful. I must go back. <laughs> well, a year later, I had another phone call because somebody had had a roof garden in a block of flats and it had collapsed into the fl flat below. And they said, come and tell us how to make a roof garden without it collapsing into the flat below. Oh so goodness. I went and did that. And they said, oh, marvellous, wonderful, love you, were great, you must come back. So I came home and said, oh, usual thing, you know. Anyway, the following week, they rang up. And I don't think I've been off the telly since 1980. Uh, that was that. That was 1980. Then I, my first one was 1979, and I sort of did Nationwide and Breakfast Time, and then all all the rest followed. You know. That's amazing. So that was the beginning of your amazing I television career. I owe my career, career to Greenfly. Never you owe your career. To, has there been a plague ever since, or not? <laughs> no, just the one. So timing was everything. <laughs> Well, somebody up there was looking over you. They were, That's they absolute. were. And don't mind so, a plague of boils and locusts. They sent <laughs> me a plague of green flight. It did me a lot of good. Actually, wasn't there... It wasn't there a couple of weeks ago a plague of locusts somewhere? Yeah, or... but mercifully not in this country. And no, they really where was do it? The... I, I it read it It was somewhere overseas. Was it somewhere in the States? In America, it might have been, yeah. Unbelievable. But they absolutely, you know, they come in and within hours... Things are just totally denuded. I mean, green they fly eat... only sucks up. Locusts yeah, eat foliage, so. Phew. But it must be terrible. What do, if they land on you? What do they do? Oh, well, not much because I they mean, they don't tough bite old... or anything. No, do they? no, no, no. Just tough okay. old skin. They flit off. I won't run if I see a locust. <laughs> no, they are big though. They're, you know. I actually envy you working at Kew Gardens. Was it amazing? Well, it was, and I mean, it is the best plant collection in the world. And it's I, my parents, when I, they only took. Uh, I don't know what they, how many do they take now. It's, it's a three-year course, and they take, in those days, they took about 15 students a year wow. um, out of all the hundreds of applications. So my parents bought me a transistor radio for getting in. <laughs> for getting. Oh, how uh, But it's, I worked in the Palm House, you know, that wonderful big greenhouse there, uh, and I looked after a plant that um, Captain Cook had brought back, <gasps> uh, and they said, don't kill it. <laughs> so, <laughs> No, pres was, no pressure. No pressure. It doesn't like being overwatered. Oh, my goodness. But don't let it dry out. Oh, crikey. Anyway, it's, it's still alive. I Is went it back still last alive? Year. I went back last year. It's still there. Yeah. Did you give it a hug? I did. We had and a say, remember me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Phil and Alan. And if you want to listen to the whole episode of either guest, you just scroll down my podcast feed till you find them and then you press play. So enjoy. Enjoy.